But last week we, we talked about fighting fear and how if we want to get in the game, we got to lay down our fear and take up godly courage. Fear cannot be part of our game plan ever. Um, and, and so that's what we talked about last week. This week I was going to kind of sling off of that and move into truly trusting. What does it mean to truly trust God in the midst of our chaotic life? And I know we talk about that, we, we say we trust God, but do we really? But in preparing for that and thinking about that, this other thought just kept nagging me and nagging me and nagging at me that I think needs to be addressed first. And I, I do apologize to my staff. A lot of times we'll be, they want to have planned ahead of time so they can prepare, and then I will do a 180 you know, midstream, and so they're very patient with me. So I kind of changed midstream in this, this, this week, but in saying this, I'm just going to be honest, this is going to be somewhat of a personal sermon in regards to my life. Uh, so many times the series that I preach, uh, you know, the series where, where I preach about, they are born out of something that I'm going through in my own life, and, and simply assuming that I'm not somehow unique, that other people are, are where I am, if I can teach you know, what God is teaching me, then most of us can learn from it together. And so this series is just coming out of my current journey with the Lord right now. And a lot of things, especially in this sermon, are going to be practical things that we can apply to our life in a practical way. So last Tuesday, I met with Paul Jeffries. Uh, Paul Jeffries, if you don't know him, he's the guy who will sometimes preach in my absence. He's got that English accent, um, great, great preacher. And Paul and I have known each other for many, many years um, and we try to meet every month just to check in on each other and to see how we're doing and encourage each other. And every time that Paul and I meet, we will ask each other this question. We will say, how are you doing spiritually? And, and so when Paul asked me this Tuesday, he says, Luke, how are you doing spiritually? I honestly replied to him. I said, actually, Paul, I'm pretty flat. I, I'm very flat. I, my spiritual life is just kind of, eh. And, and when I said that, it kind of dawned on me that I have been giving that exact same answer to Paul over the last quite a few months. In fact, anybody who would ask me, I've been given that same answer. That I'm honestly just very flat. There's no real spark in my spiritual life. There's no fire, you know, fresh fire, you know, sparking at all. And that really bothers me. And that night I, I brought it up to Shauna and, and we were talking about it and I just, honey, I said, I'm just so tired of being spiritually flat all the time. What is my problem? And, you know, we, we talked about it, but I began to think back to about six to eight years ago when spiritually, man, I was just on fire. I mean, I remember throughout my day, I would feel God's presence and, and I would sense God speaking to me and, and asking me to do things for him and to speak to people and to encourage people and to bless people and to serve people. And this happened regularly. I really and truly felt like God and I were doing life together. And I was so excited about the Lord, I, I couldn't get enough of him. And, and my perspective was just completely different. And now that's all basically come to a standstill. And I was just like, what has gone wrong? And I began to think back about what was so different about my life back then. Were my circumstances different? And the answer to that is no, not really. Was there something going on in my life that would make it different? No, not really. Things were pretty much the same as they are now. So what was the difference? Why was my spiritual life so very different then than it is now? Why was I more in the game back then than I am now? And the answer I came to was this. I had very different habits in my life back then than I do now. And the habits that I had in my life back then greatly benefited the growth of my spiritual life. It fed my spiritual life. 
I, I would read in Scripture how in, in Mark like 135, it said that Jesus would get up early in the morning while it was still dark and go off to a place, of, a solitary place, and pray. I'd read in Psalms where it says, you know, in the morning you will hear my voice. He'll hear my voice. In the morning I will order my prayer. I would read story about George Mueller, how he would get up in the morning and spend a couple hours of prayer before breakfast. And so, during that time of my life, I got up early in the morning and I prayed. You know, Scripture says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So I, I took that and I, you know what? I'm going to memorize Scripture because I don't want to sin against you. So I would memorize Scripture. I'd memorize passages at a time. And at night, I would think about it and meditate on it. If I'd wake up in the middle of the night, I wouldn't just be like, oh, I wish I could go back to sleep. I'd start quoting Scripture and thinking about it. I would study scripture, I'd highlight verses, I, I would look for truth that somehow I missed before, I, I'd read books, spiritual books, and sometimes I'd, I'd stay up till 2 a.m. reading because I was just so, I was glued to it. And I'd sometimes fall asleep in that chair and wake up in the morning right there in that same chair. I would fast regularly to keep my flesh in check. I would come out to this church property just to walk and talk with God alone at night. These were regular habits that I would do in my everyday life. And I know, honestly, when you hear that, you go, all right, Luke, well, those aren't all that super spiritual. Wow, you prayed, good for you. Wow, you read the Bible, that's awesome. Uh, you, you, you memorized some scripture, that's great. Every Christian should be doing that. What you're doing really isn't stuff that's like, wow, super awesome stuff. And you know what? You're right, they aren't. In fact, they are super basic, they are basic practices of the Christian life. You could say that they are the fundamentals to the Christian life. But you know what? Sometimes we need to put our mind back and focus on the fundamentals, don't we? Sometimes we veer away from the fundamentals. Last week I told you that I coached youth football. And sometimes about midway or three quarters through the season, we would have a football game and these kids would go out there and they'd play like junk, just like junk, and they'd get run over, and it was terrible. And so at the end of the game, the, guess what we would say? Well, kids, for practice this week, we're going to go back to the fundamentals because you've completely forgot about the fundamentals. And so we'd be talking to the linemen, and we'd say, listen, all right, let's work on our three-point stance. And so the kids would get down like this, and they'd put all their weight in the front arm. We'd say, no, you've got to put it here so that your, your weight's on your legs, and you're ready to explode off. And when I say down, set, hut, you explode off. And they'd say down, set, hut, and they'd lean back like this and be like, no, you've got to explode up like that. Grab the guy in the pads, drive him back, and push him. We're going to do that over and over. Down, set, hut, down, set, hut. And after about an hour, the kids are like, oh, this is so boring. And you'd be like, you know what, guys? It may be boring, but they are the fundamentals to playing football. you got to learn to do this. You see, our youth football players would, without knowing it, set down the fundamentals and start picking up lazy habits. And suddenly the game was severely suffering. And the sad truth is, that's what was happening to me in my spiritual life. I've been doing the same thing. Over the years, I've set down most of these basic fundamental habits or spiritual disciplines and have picked up other habits that don't feed my spiritual life. And my spiritual life has deeply suffered. Habits that, while on the outside, they don't really look all that bad. They, they, they might not look all that evil, but they do nothing for my spiritual life. Let me show you a verse that 
has hit me kind of between the eyes. It's found in Corinthians, and Paul says this. He goes, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. You see, things that we put into our life may not be evil or sinful. Like spending the night binging on Netflix may not be inherently evil per se, but let me assure you of something, it most certainly is not beneficial. But the problem is, is that the more and more we immerse ourselves into something, even though it may not be evil, what can happen is that it starts to master you. And that's where things can turn ugly and sinful. When something starts to master us, we become its slave. And Paul is making it clear here that we cannot be mastered by anything. And you want to know why? Because we already have a master and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? And you see, that had been my problem. I had set down good habits that had poured life into me and picked up other habits that while they might be permissible, they certainly weren't beneficial. And the next thing you know, I'm being mastered by these things and they become my constant choice over and over rather than life-giving disciplines. And the next thing you know, I'm spiritually flat. I'm paying the price for my choices. When I would drive, I would practice my memorization verses. Now I listen to talk radio. When at night I would read a book before I'd go to sleep, now I'll pick up my iPad and watch a movie. When I'd mow my lawn, I would listen to these online recordings that I had of Dallas Willard teaching on truth and righteousness and holiness and all that stuff. I'd have an hour of mowing and I could listen to that. Now I listen to music. Quite frankly, it's a lot funner to listen to music when you're mowing a lawn. You can kind of move to it. In fact, that we have a neighbor, I told First Service this, but we have a neighbor, an older guy, who he will dance to music while he's mowing. And I've wanted to catch him on video sometime because it's so awesome, but he would be out there and be like. I'm not joking. That's what he will do his entire lawn. And you just sit there mesmerized just watching the guy. It's awesome. Now, these habits I picked up, they're not inherently wrong. But here's the deal. We have 24 hours in a day. And we have a choice what we will fill those hours with. Will Edwards once said this to me in helping me learn how to wisely organize my time. He said, Luke, listen, if you say yes to one thing, you're going to have to say no to another. And as simple as that may be, it's profoundly true. And this is certainly one place where it is so very true. If we pick up one habit, the truth is, due to time, I will have to set down another. And so it is so very important what habits we choose to incorporate into our daily lives. You see, habits can either build up our spirit or they can empty it. And the choice is ours to decide what habit we're going to incorporate into our life. Now, right at the beginning, I want to address something that might be a hang-up for some people, and I want to get it right out of the way in the beginning so it won't create any issues, but there are some who may hear me use the word habits in connection with my spiritual life, and they think that somehow I am endorsing a works-based salvation, that I have to do all this stuff to earn God's favor or grace. That to be a good Christian, I need to do a bunch of stuff. 
And that's the common concern I will get from people. Like, I'm, I'm focusing too much on works. And while I understand where they're coming from, I feel like many people have taken that concern and they have run way too far with it. For instance, I often hear people say, I can do nothing without Christ. Nothing, Luke. So who do you think you are that you need to do something? Christ is the one who does it all. I do nothing. But unfortunately, what so many people do then is guess what? Nothing. And let me be very clear. If you do nothing, it will certainly be without Christ. Because he does not call us to do nothing. He calls us to do something. There is action on our part. Listen, grace, remember grace. I know you've been gone for two months, but remember what our definition of grace is? Grace is God's power working in us to accomplish what we could never do on our own. Okay, it's his power working us. Now listen to this, okay? I want you to listen to this. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Obviously, we cannot try to earn God's favor. We're we're not trying to do stuff to get in God's good graces. No, we don't earn anything. Jesus earned it for us. But in a relationship with God, to see that relationship grow and blossom, there are things that we do that he won't do for us. And then, of course, there are things that he does that we could never do. It's a relationship. There is effort involved in the Christian life. It's biblical. In 2 Peter, it says this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Incredible pieces of scripture right there. But do you see how verse 5 starts out? Make every effort. Tell me, who's to make that effort? We are. Not God. We are. Effort is required in the spiritual life. Now look at what it says there at the very end. Look at the outcome of that effort. It says this. It goes, if you possess these qualities that he just lifted out in increasing measure, increasing and increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And guys, when I say that my spiritual life has been flat, that's essentially what I mean. It feels ineffective and unproductive. It's because I haven't put the effort in. And that's where habits come in. There are things that we must do that no one else will do for us. Listen, if we want to get in the game and play to win, we must develop habits that feed our spiritual lives. And this is where we're going to often find our first difficulty. Because remember what I said, in order to say yes to one thing, we have to say no to another. Well, guess what? Saying no to an old habit is never easy, is it? It literally is like putting something to death. Paul puts it like this in Romans, in Romans 8, 13. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now do you see that? We need to put to death, put to death the misdeeds of the body. What are the misdeeds of the body? The habits of the body. Habits of the body that just act out without even thinking. Habits of sin. Habits that lead to sin. Habits that can lead to spiritual deadness. These are the misdeeds of the body. 
where the body is just acting out or behaving wrongly. We have to put those habits to death. And, and putting a habit to death is not easy. That's why we, we call it a habit, because it's, it's settled into a regular tendency or practice that we've incorporated into our everyday life. It's burned itself into our muscle memory. And once it's burned itself into our muscle memory, reversing that muscle memory is super tough. It's like so many things in our life. When we grew up as kids doing one way, to relearn it another way is really hard. I remember when I was a kid, and I'd eat a bowl of cereal... I'd finish my cereal and I'd throw it in the sink. Not a big deal, right? Well, when you become an adult and you become the one that has to wash the dishes, guess what you do after you eat a bowl of cereal? You rinse it out. Why? Because when you eat a bowl of Rice Krispies and you just toss it in the sink and let it dry, that stuff becomes like cement. I think you could put a plane together with just Rice Krispies and dried milk. You have to literally chisel these Krispies off the side of that bowl. But as a kid, you develop a habit of throw it in there. But when you become an adult, you're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rinse it first. Rinse it first. It's muscle memory. It's crazy how muscle memory is so burnt into our body. Where when we do something over and over, our body picks it up and it really does it without even thinking anymore. That's driving a car, walking, learning to speak a language, whatever. And for the most part, that's a good thing. That's how we learn how to do things well. Remember my son, he started playing baseball, and I never played baseball, so I don't know a lick about baseball, so I didn't really know how to help him or coach him, and so I, I talked to uh, Jake Andrews. Now, if you guys don't know Jake Andrews, he's our youth pastor here at Whitestone. He leads up our student ministry, and uh, that guy's amazing at baseball. He uh, actually, here's a picture, if you didn't get a picture of it, here's our, his Whitestone Leviathan softball team. I mean, I don't want to brag or anything, but the 2018 champs of the uh, league, Lake Country area. Keep it coming. No, I'm just... But that blue arrow is pointed to Jake Anders. Now, Jake, when he steps at the bat, he's an awesome hitter, and he's so fluid, like, and he's a lefty. So he'll come up there, and he just makes it look so easy, and he will, whoop, he will just swing. And that ball is usually almost a, always a home run. It's funny because in the right field, people will scoot up thinking they can't hit, and it'll just fly right over their heads, and it's awesome. He's just super fluid. So when my son started playing baseball, I'm like, I'm going to talk to Jake about this. And so I'm like, Jake, what are some tips I can give to be able to help my son play baseball? And Jake was like, well, Luke, it just comes so natural for me. I really can't give any tips. That's just how I flow. No, he didn't, he didn't say that. But uh, he says, Luke, I, I would just have him hit off a batting tee. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, just have him do that. So I took my son, I bought a batting tee, and I'm like, all right, Max, start hitting off the batting tee. So Max is hit, hit, and that lasted for about 20, 30 hits. And he's like, this is so boring. Just pitch to me, Dad. I'm like, well, Jake said you're supposed to hit off the batting tee. He's like, ah, oh, it's boring. It's nothing. It's stupid. We're just hitting off a tee. So I went back to Jake, and I says, hey, Jake, is there anything else I can do to help my son learn how to play baseball? And he says, have him hit off of a tee. Luke, that is a practice he needs to do that every day, over and over and over. He says, Luke... What you don't know is that the professional baseball players, they will hit off of a tee regularly in their practice. And you want to know why? Because it's muscle memory. They will, if they want to learn how to hit in the right field, they'll do that. If they're hitting the left field, they do that. They just practice over and over because they want their muscle memory to be sharp and ready when they're in a game. Now, you wouldn't think that professional ball players would need to practice hitting off of a tee, but they do. 
They keep those habits up to keep that muscle memory sharp. So like I said, for the most part, it's a good thing that our body can learn that. But when we've developed bad habits, lazy habits, and sinful habits, and we've done them over and over and over again for years, they become settled into our regular actions, and they become part of our muscle memory. And we just act out without even thinking. And that's where we have our issues. And that's where Paul, like Paul says, we need to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Guys, we don't tame them. We don't lessen them. We don't ignore them. We what? We put them to death. We put them to death. And once again, I'm going to say this. This is a choice that you must make. There is effort that needs to be put forth in this. No one's going to do it for you. The Christian life does require effort. Now, I am going to say this. Shauna mentioned this to me, and I think it's so true, that when we want to apply this effort, when we want to put something to death, you're going to find that your mind is going to be divided. There's going to be part of your mind that says, yeah, I want to put this old habit to death, but then there's part of your mind that goes, I really like this habit. I don't want to get rid of it. And so your mind is divided. And, And That's where we need to cry out to God and ask for his grace, remember his power to be poured out on us to make our mind unified, undivided, so we can choose to make the right choice. We need to ask God for that. So when God pours out his grace on us, then we can choose to do the right thing because the truth is so much of our mind, we don't want to do the right thing. We want to keep doing the bad habit. We want to keep watching movies. We want to keep scrolling through Facebook. We want to keep looking at pornography. We want to keep doing those things that are burnt into our muscle memory. So really and truly, part of our mind wants to keep this habit and part of our mind wants to get rid of it. So we need to cry out to God for his grace because his grace is going to work in our lives to do it. Amen? It's like what Paul says. He says this. Many of you guys know this verse. He says, the very thing that I want to do, I don't do. The very thing that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. How many of you guys have felt that way? I know I have. Like I said, this is where we need the grace of God to be poured on us. So we must ask God to give us that desire, a pure, unwavering desire to put these habits to death. You know, there's a verse that says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, we always think, well, he just gives me whatever I want over here. But really, if we want to live a holy, righteous life, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he's going to bring that to pass. We must put these habits to death. So now the question is, well, what do we do next? Well, honestly, I think that these things, these actions happen simultaneously. But the next thing we must develop is new habits. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians. He says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You see what I mean? They are literally to happen simultaneously. We put off the old and we put on the new. We put off the old former life, the old habits, and we put on the new self with the new habits, the new way of living. And so how how do we do that? How do we put on this new way of living? Obviously, it does not happen overnight. We don't just set down this old habit and like, suddenly I am just walking in holiness and righteousness. No. What do we do? We train. 
And I know that's a hard word to hear in the Christian realm, but we train. Look at what Timothy says in 3.16. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for what? Training in righteousness. 1 Timothy 4.7, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. There is training involved, once again, effort. And in my opinion, the greatest, single most important training in the Christian life that we can incorporate in our our lives are the spiritual disciplines. These are the basic fundamentals that we keep training with. They are the batting tee of the Christian life. These are the habits that we need to incorporate in our lives over and over and over. We never run away from them. The spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, in my opinion, are what puts us in the soil so that God can do the watering and the growing. It's like if you had a seed and you you just kept that seed up here, kept it in the package, it would never grow. But if you drop it into soil, you put it into good soil, and, and somebody waters it, it will begin to produce growth. Well, the spiritual disciplines are the soil for which God can then produce the growth in us. Now, what are these spiritual disciplines? Guys, there's, there's just tons of them. But here's some basic ones that I think if we start to incorporate them in our life, we will see amazing benefit from them. Bible study. Studying the Word of God. Now, guys, I'm not just saying reading the daily bread and calling it a day. No, I'm actually talking about digging into the Word of God, seeing what it says, what does it speak to you, letting the Spirit teach you in the midst of it. Memorization. As I quoted before, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we put the work of memorization in, I think that's one of the most phenomenal disciplines we have at our availability, but it takes our effort But when we start to put passages into memory, we will suddenly have it in our mind and the spirit can start to connect dots and it can start to make sense to us and we can start to dwell on it and meditate on it in the middle of the night. Psalms 1, 1 through 3, many of you guys who took phase 1 discipleship, you know this verse. Verse 2, it says, but his delight is on the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Does that mean he has a Bible open the whole time? No, he meditates on it because it's up in his mind. Prayer. And I'm not just saying before meals, learning to talk to God every day, all day long, throughout your day, communicating with him, practicing his presence, knowing that he's with you, talking to him. Solitude, getting alone. Now, some of you, you live alone, so that's not a discipline that you need to focus on. But some of you who you're in groups all the time in large families, you need to get away and have times of solitude where it's just you and Jesus. Worship. Now, a lot of time we think, well, look, I sing three songs every Sunday morning. I'm good for that. You know, that's just a little bit of what worship is all about. Worship is seeing God's glory for who he is and then reveling in that glory. Fasting. Here's a discipline that's been lost on the church today. The fasting is choosing to refrain from whether it be food or whatever it is that you choose to refrain from. Teaching the flesh that you don't get to make the decisions anymore, the spirit does. Because remember, God's spirit dwells in our spirit, so it makes the choices now. We don't let our flesh make the choices. Well, fasting teaches our flesh to say, sorry, you don't get to make the choice. Spirit does. It teaches that. It keeps the flesh in check. 
practicing God's presence, one of the most amazing disciplines we can do. Remember, our God is unseen. So in our natural selves, we don't pay attention to him because we don't see him. But when we train our mind over and over to be aware that God is with me, God is with me, I'm doing life with him. Whatever I'm in the middle of, I'm doing life with God. We will start to then listen to him, hear him. He'll tell us to do things that, that we would have never done had we not been knowing that his presence is with us. Meditation. Clearing our mind of all the junk that our mind's focusing on and just focusing on Jesus. And then lastly, reticence. This is kind of a weird one, but it's just learning how to shut up. Because all we do is just talk, 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 talk. Make a lot of noise. Sometimes we just need to be quiet. And I could go on and on with this list. There's an abundance of disciplines that we can apply to our lives that puts us in a place to receive the work of God, the grace of God in our lives. There's tons of them. But these are some basic fundamental ones. In one book I'd highly recommend if you are interested in studying the spiritual disciplines, is it's called Celebration of Discipline. And it's rich, written by Richard Foster. Excellent book on the spiritual disciplines. Ten years ago when I began to read it, it really helped me in my spiritual life. But guys, here's the beauty of applying these disciplines to our life. God works with us, doing the things that we could never do. Remember, that's what grace is. Grace, God's power will work along with us. We'll practice the discipline, but then his grace will pour in and do these miraculous things that we could never do on our own. And that's what we need to do by getting rid of these old habits and instilling these new ones. When we incorporate these new habits into our everyday life, and notice I said every day, it puts us in a place to receive the grace of God in ways we'd never experience unless we were applying these disciplines in our life. You see, when he does these works of grace in our life, when we're practicing his presence and he speaks to us and say, hey, minister to that person right there. Give that person some money. Go to so-and-so's house and give them this. Say this to someone. As we're listening to him and guiding and practicing his presence, we're just doing the work to practice in his presence. He's then doing the miraculous work of speaking to us. As we apply the memorization, I and mean, we memorize the word of God, the spirit then does the miraculous things of taking that word and making it become alive within us. When we do the work of fasting, he then does the miraculous work of allowing our spirit to, to rule our lives rather than our flesh. You see, all these things aren't humanly possible. The disciplines are, but the miraculous things are, aren't. Only God's grace can do that in our life. But these spiritual disciplines put us, like I said, in the right soil for that growth to occur so that he can pour his grace to accomplish these miraculous things. It allows us, here's another way to put it, it allows us to get in the game and play to win. And guys, if there was ever a time where the world needs men and women to allow the grace of God to flow through them, it is now. Amen? We need to be conduits of God's grace. So like it says, like the author says in the book of Hebrews, since we have such a great, huge crowd of men in faith watching us from the grandstands, people who've gone on before us, Jeff Hansen is one of them, 
He's in the spiritual grandstands right now, cheering us on. Since we have this great cloud of witnesses, these, these witnesses, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. Trip us up. Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Now, I don't know about the rest of you. Hopefully, you aren't where I am. Hopefully, you aren't spiritually flat. Hopefully, you're running full tilt way ahead of me. But if you aren't, if you can identify where I currently am at, if you can feel that spiritual blahness that I talked about in your life, if you're feeling like you may be participating in the game, but you're not in the game, then I'm sure both, in you, both you and I could agree that this has gone on long enough. Amen? We've wasted enough time, and let's choose to get in the game. Let's choose to run. Let's choose to put to death these old habits that have, have bent us this way, and let's put on the new man that is bent this way, the new self that is like Christ Jesus. Let's put ourselves into the fertile soil of training of the spiritual disciplines and allow God to pour out his grace on us in ways that we could never imagine, and let's do life with Jesus, working for him and working with him to extend his kingdom in this dark, dark world. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that your mercies are new every single morning. Praise God for that. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for being patient with me. And God, these, these are my brothers and sisters. We're in the trenches together. We are fellow soldiers of you, Jesus Christ. And we are in this world together. And our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and forces of darkness in high places. This is the real deal. This is not a game. So God, I pray that you would work in our lives in such a way that you would produce this desire within us to choose the right thing. And God, may we apply these disciplines in our life, put the effort in, allowing you to do the miraculous work. God, we love you. And we know that you love us with an unfathomable love. May we continue to walk after you and to become like your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our King and our Savior. Amen. Guys, I love you so very, very much, and I would encourage you, you know, we can talk about this, we can preach this sermon, we can listen to this sermon, and we can go home and do nothing. There's a plan that we need to develop. What are you going to do in your life? What things are you going to choose to get rid of, and what new things are you going to choose to take up? I'd encourage you over this week to make a plan. Ask Jesus to help you do that. And let's choose to run after Jesus. Amen? All right, guys, we're doing something different here. We're going to actually be exiting out this door because we're trying to keep the building as clean as possible. So if you don't mind, you get to do a little nature walk around to the parking lot. And the parking lot is set up. We can hang out there as long as you want. We get a nice, good suntan. It's beautiful out there. So, guys, love you so very much. Have an amazing week. We'll see you.